Will you all please bow with me, please? Tell me, Father, we just come to you now. We just pray that you would just uh, anoint from on high the story of Joseph. Tell me, Father, may we really follow and see what this man went through to serve you and to be used by you. And tell me, Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and may we hear with our hearts instead of just our ears. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I've known her practically all my life. All my life I've known Mary. You see, I was born in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem there, when I turned three, my mom and dad, they took me and moved me from Bethlehem to Nazareth. You know, Nazareth was a great place because that's where Mary grew up. Nazareth was awesome because we used to run through the streets. We used to play in those streets and just have such a great time of just being kids. And then in the summertime, we had our favorite place to go pick berries. We used to have the secret code where we used to go and eat these berries and just have a great time. And I remember in the springtime as Mary's dad, Jacob, would take him or take Mary and put her on the oxen as he'd plow those rich and rocky fields of Nazareth. And she would bounce up and down and just laugh and throw her head back. And, guys, I saw a beauty that went all the way down to her heart. But you see, I wasn't the only one that saw this beauty. Hannah, Mary's mom, saw this beauty too. And you see, at the marketplace, Hannah would be bragging on what such a great mate Mary would make one day. And you know, Mary had many suitors in Nazareth. For example, there was Abner. Abner was a good guy, a scholarly guy, and he was studying uh, to go to Jerusalem to be a priest. And perhaps they would, he would marry Mary and he would take her with her. Or there was Caiaphas. Caiaphas' mom and dad were town elders, they had uh, a lot of money because they were a wealthy, wealthy merchant. And, you know, they could literally change Mary's mom and dad's life with the dowry. But, you know, Caiaphas, he had three things against him. He was arrogant. He was not very smart, but he had a filthy mouth. You see, one day he said something bad about Mary in front of me. And you know what happened? I had to bloody his nose because he said that about Mary. But I wasn't the only one that saw this beauty. You see, Hannah saw the change in our relationship. We became more than just friends. I started wishing that I could be with Mary. And, you know, that's when it all happened. That's when... Hannah shut me down. You see, I used to find every excuse in the book to go over to Hannah and Jacob's house. I would go over there and see if their plow was broke so I could fix it. I used to go over there to see if their trough needed mending or the fence needed mending. And I would just spend all my time over at Hannah and Jacob's. But guess what? Hannah was on to me. She said, Joseph and Jacob... I won't have my daughter toiling as I did. I won't have her be a wife 
of some poor carpenter. And she told me that I had to leave and not to come back. It broke my heart. I couldn't believe the first time when I started praying to God about Mary. First time was the prayers of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for making Mary just the way she is. And then they came to, oh, please, God, oh, please, let her be my wife one day. And then they turned to anger. But God, you promised. You see, I came to the realization after Hannah told me farewell that I wasn't going to be married, married. That I was going to have to go through my life without her. And I knew God, and I knew the prayers, because we've been praying for this Messiah for hundreds of years. And yet, God hasn't even answered that Messiah's prayer, much less the prayers of some lovesick boy. But you see, God knew. God knew what he was up to. Because right then, I started praying like never before that I could be just the best carpenter that I could ever be. Even though if I wasn't going to marry Mary, I was going to try to hone my skills to be the best carpenter. And I wasn't going to marry anybody. I was going to stay no Mary. No marriage for me. Even though I would bring disgrace upon my family, I wasn't going to take somebody. Because my heart was with Mary. But maybe God in all His justice can give me a time when I could build a rail in the temple, maybe a bench for people to pray upon in the temple, and maybe that would be enough to glorify God with my skills. But you see, the story wasn't over. Mary knew I didn't come over anymore because I was over there about every day. She knew there was something up about our relationship. That relationship changed. And she was worried. She hunted me down at the marketplace, cornered me at the market, and said, Joseph, what's wrong? And I had to explain to her what her mother said. And I had to explain to her my heart and my prayer that I had prayed that I was okay with it. God's will be done. But then, Mary... She explained to me for the first time that I could remember how much she loved and cared for me, Joseph. Oh, did my heart good. But you see, it just made things more difficult. I didn't know, but Mary went home and she talked to her dad, Jacob. You see, Jacob was very in tune with his family. A hard-working man, but very in tune with his family. He listened to Mary. He heard her heart. And I don't know what Jacob did, but I do know he interceded for me with Hannah, his mother, or her mother. And guys, I wasn't there, but I know if it was an argument, 
or if he was just the head of the household, he explained to Hannah that a house built on love and caring for one another is so much better than that one of position and wealth. And Hannah's heart finally changed. And guess what? That night, they invited us over. Me and my mom and dad. And my dad asked for Mary's hand for me in marriage. And you know what Jacob said? He said, yes. He gave us his blessing. And I knew the next Sunday would be a special Sunday because they would announce it in the synagogue and it would be a great time there. And I knew I would have to pray a prayer in the synagogue along with my dad and Mary's dad. And everybody would be there. And then after the service, everybody came to Hannah and Jacob's house and they celebrated. And then two weeks and on the fourth day of the week, guess what happened? We were betrothed. You see, folks, that's the way we did it. We were betrothed. There was music playing. The rabbi came to Mary's house and guess what? The rabbi asked, is there any token to show your commitment in this relationship? And you know, my dad stepped forward with 50 pieces of silver, which was the minimum requirement at that time for a wife. And he gave it to Jacob's wife, Jacob for Mary. And then the rabbi asked, Is there anything else that you can give as a symbol of this commitment? My heart was put into a, making a sewing box for Mary so she could have all her things in her sewing box. And also, I fashioned doe-skin slippers for her. Oh, great gift. And then, one more thing, our first piece of furniture. Guess what? I didn't go down to the market to buy it. I built it in our carpentry shop. A table. This is our first piece of furniture. And then came the time that I remember. You see, my hands are hands of a carpenter. They are scarred. They got nails that are hangnails. And they just aren't very good to look at. But I was asked at this patrolable service to take a veil and put it upon Mary's head. And I just knew when I went to put this veil on Mary's head that symbolized that she was mine. That I would hang a nail on that veil. And guess what, folks? Sure enough, I did. And everybody at the place laughed. Laughed at me. But there was another thing that happened. They gave treats out to all the kids. Nice sweet treats. And that was to symbolize that Mary saved herself just for me. That was awesome. You see, right then, we were husband and wife. We were betrothed. But we wouldn't come together. We wouldn't live together for another year. Because that was our custom. But you see, we were now husband and wife. Under God. If I were to die, she would be my widow. If I would have any reason whatsoever, I would have to give written reason to the priest why I wanted a divorce. You see, legally, God looked at us as man and wife, even though we wouldn't come together for a little while. And then, 
after that, things changed. I remember Mary saying that she was going down to the stable to take care of her dad's donkey. He was a great donkey. She had to go to the well to fetch water every day for this donkey. And yet, when she went to fetch water this time, she got the water, was bringing it into the stall and pouring it into the trough. And right then, she heard her name, Mary. She turned and looked. She said she didn't see anybody there. And she figured out that it might have been just a sheep over in the corner baying or some cow in there or something. But she didn't see anybody. She said, yes, Father, but there was nobody there. And then she went back to feeding the donkey, and it happened again. This voice said, Mary. She ran to the door. She knew that wasn't her dad's voice. And then when she's looking back in the trough there in the stable, a beam of light so bright, she said, and a man standing there and said, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And he will be Lord of all. And he will give him the th- David's throne. Right then, Mary knew that this, this child was going to be the Messiah. The long-awaited and prayed-for Messiah that was going to save his people. And then the angel went on. And he said, hey, you will have this child. And Mary goes, I've got a question. I'm still a virgin. How can I have a child? And the angel told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon you and the Lord Most High will overshadow you and you will become one with the Holy Spirit. And that's how this child was conceived. And for that reason, this child will be known as the Son of God. You see, Mary had an understanding of what was going on. I didn't. That evening, she came and she had a secret that she really couldn't tell everybody. Because, you see, when you're betrothed and you become pregnant at that time, it was bad news. Because we shouldn't come together. That shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't live together. But yet, it happened. And Mary had a secret. And all her close, intimate friends became distant strangers. Even her mom and dad. Can you get that? Her mom and dad became strangers. Even I, as close as I was to Mary, became a stranger to her because she had this secret going on. First in one month, then two, and then three. It was beginning to show a little bit. And guess what? Hannah was the first one to know, Mary's mom. But she dared not ask Mary what was going on because she feared the answer. So... Mary, knowing that her mom was suspicious, came to her and said, Hey, Mom, I'm with child. 
It's not Joseph's child. It's of the Lord. And guess what Hannah did? She didn't jump up and down. She didn't have joy. She was going, oh, you're just working too much. You can't do all this and carry on the way that you do. You, you just need to slow down. You need to rest. Let me go in and make you some tea. And then you take a rest. She was denying that I was even pregnant. But then Mary looked her straight in the eyes and said, Mom, this is the long-awaited Messiah and I am pregnant with. It's not Joseph's child. It's the Lord's. And with that, she ran! She screamed! Man, you could hear her from miles around. She was just going ballistic. She was looking for Jacob. She finally found Jacob, and Jacob calmed her down, if you can only imagine. He calmed her down. And when she finally got calmed down, she said, Mary's pregnant. Oh, man. I heard this part, and I didn't like it. Jacob was mad at me. He wanted to kill me. But then Hannah's mom said, no, it's not Joseph's. It's the Lord's. And at that moment, guess what happened? In Jacob's life, he goes, the long-awaited Messiah is going to come of a virgin. She's still a virgin. This is the Messiah. And he ran to the house shouting, the Messiah, the Messiah. And Mary was le- or Hannah was left there. Her hands in her face going, ah, oh, two dreamers, what am I to do? Two dreamers. She just didn't understand. But then, it happened. It came. That as they were finding out about this Messiah, they couldn't tell everybody. But I remember how they told me. You know, I showed up to the house again that evening. And I knew something was going on. Because Hannah met me and then turned and walked away. She didn't even let me in the house. Like, what's up? And then Jacob said, get this. He said, me and Mary need to talk. And he was going to leave us alone out in the courtyard. Oh, the thought of just being with Mary alone out in the courtyard. Man, I've only kissed her twice. But to have her and to hold her, you know, and maybe even lay a kiss on her out there in the courtyard, man, the thought of that would just be great. But I knew that Jacob said that she needed to talk to me. And I said, Mary, what's up? She said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Oh, you can't believe the things that went through my head when she said, I am pregnant. Not Mary, not my Mary. There's no way that that could happen to her. There's no way she could be unfaithful to me. There's no way that that could be that right. To have this sweet and pure girl say that she's pregnant? 
Man, there was no way. It broke my heart. I was stunned. I was numb that she could even say those words, even in a jest. But she did. She said, I am pregnant. Ah, I just didn't know what to do. And then she kept talking. She shared about the angel, about the story of the angel saying that she was going to have Jesus, the Messiah. And I still didn't believe. And then she did this. She came back and she told me that she is pregnant, but this child was going to change the world. This child was going to be the Messiah. And I couldn't believe it. She asked me this question. Joseph, don't you believe? Don't you believe me? And I said, Mary, come on. We live in Nazareth. All right? I'm a carpenter. You're a regular person. This can't be. This can't happen to us. This is not on the agenda. This isn't how it plays out. This is off the chart. Hey. But she asked me the question, do I believe? And to that, I couldn't. I couldn't believe. And then her pleading became into fear. She goes, Joseph, Joseph, don't have me stoned. And I was looking at her going, why do I want to have you stoned? But then it hit me because she's been unfaithful in our marriage. See, that was our custom back then. If you were unfaithful in the betrothal process, that we led you out by the town and we had you stoned. But she became to fear that I was going to do that to her. I said, no, Mary, I love you way, way, way too much to even consider that. That's one thing I know for sure. That's one thing that I believe is I love you so much. We're going to work this thing out, no matter what it takes. But I love you. And through that, we worked it out. And I had to look her in the eye. But folks, just to calm her down, I looked her in the eyes and I lied. I said, I believe you. And in my heart, I really didn't. I knew she knew. I knew she knew I didn't really believe. But I had to do something to calm her down. The next morning, Hannah, saying she's going to fix the problem, tells Mary to take off and go to Jerusalem to visit her Aunt Elizabeth. And you might have guessed, we live in a small town. Rumor hit the street. And gossip was everywhere that Mary was pregnant, that Mary has been unfaithful. Oh, it broke my heart. You see, I went right back to building our house. See, I went right down from Dad's carpenter shop, just right up the hill, and I started carving out of the mountain stones, laying them one upon the other, building our house that I thought was going to be a temple with Mary living in it. It now seemed like a tomb 
I was building a tomb for us. But I worked and I worked and I worked. You guys know how it is. When you've got something pressing on you and you don't really want to think about it, you get busy. You do things. I was doing everything I could to not lose hope, to stay busy. And finally, I passed out one night underneath our partially completed roof of our house. And I remember just as clear as it was yesterday, this angel, glowing, showed up. He said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to call this child Jesus. Oh, man. The joy that went through me was just ah, overwhelming. I couldn't wait to see her. I was making preparations that morning to go and get her from her Aunt Elizabeth. And before I could get things ready, she showed up at our house, my house I was building for us. And guess what? I took her and I held her tight and I hugged her just the way I usually do. Before all this happened, I said, Mary, I love you. We're going to get through this. And we went through the town to get to her moms and dads so we could pick up all the stuff she's been working on, the pots, the linens, and all that. And all the time we were walking through Nazareth, people pointing. Oh, look at him. Look at him. Look at Mary. They were looking on us as scorn because Mary was pregnant. But I knew in my heart, and Mary knew in her heart, that it was right. No matter what anybody else said, no matter what anybody else thought, we knew in our heart it was right. And it didn't bother us. So we went to go fetch her stuff so she could come live at our new partially completed home. And then news hit. I don't know if you all know, but Caesar, man, greedy guy, sent out a decree that we all had to be counted again to make sure he was getting all the silver that he deserved. Oh, man, it happened in such an untimely manner. Because you know what? Mary was due any day. And here... I had been sprung upon with this great thing that Mary was going through here, and yet I was going to be gone when the baby came. Ah, oh, man, to be a part of the process, you know? And then, out of all things, Mary came to me that night as I was making preparations to go because it would be healthy for me to go. And since I belonged to Bethlehem, I had to go to Bethlehem to be counted she came to me and said, Joseph, I need to go with you. And I was going, what? She says, no, it's of the Lord that I go with you and be with you as my husband. And I couldn't argue. All the relatives did, but I couldn't. And that early that morning, we went to say goodbye to my mom and dad. And then we went to Mary's mom and dad's. Jacob was, came out to greet us, gave me the donkey, and we were ready to go. But Hannah, she's still cooped up in the house. She wouldn't even come out and say goodbye to us. Her heart just wasn't right. And as we walked on, our silhouettes up against the morning sky, you can only imagine, and Jacob's standing out there, and then Hannah comes to join, her, join him. As they're watching, Jacob goes, 
Ah, two young ones off to Bethlehem to have a baby. And just as if it was a light going on, he quoted scripture out of Micah, the prophet. He said, out of Bethlehem, the clan of Judah, there'll arise a ruler. And wham, right at that time, Hannah, I don't know what went off in her. It clicked. And she goes, oh, the Messiah. Yeah, the Messiah. This is going to happen to Mary. She is going to bear the Messiah. And she ran as fast as she could run. She goes, Mary, I believe. Mary, I believe. Oh, she needed to do that. Because, man, we had an eight-day journey ahead of us to get to Bethlehem. And she needed all the encouragement she could get. She was pregnant, swollen uh, feet. We're going to be sleeping on the ground. I mean, dusty and dirty. Uh, Way to get there. And man, after eight days, we finally arrived at Jerusalem. I was never so glad to see Jerusalem in all my life. I asked Mary, Mary, can we stop here? Mary said, no, we need to keep going. She knew that the birth pains had started. Oh, She goes, Joseph, we have got to make Bethlehem today. And I said, Mary, it's another six hours of travel. You see, the streets are already crowded with everybody else going. There are, there are donkeys, there are animals, the stench, the smell of olive oil, the smell of garlic was all in the air. It was a hard go. I said, let's just rest here. I'll get a place and we'll have the baby here in Jerusalem. She kept saying, no, we've got to move on. We've got to get to Bethlehem tonight. So we pressed on. We pressed on and got to Bethlehem. And my worst fears were realized. The inns were full. No place. I talked to the innkeeper for what seemed like hours trying to get a place. In the stable, they said. I went down to the stable, and it's full of animals, full of people. And I said, no, this ain't going to do. My wife's going to have a baby. And the guy looked at me like I was nuts. And then he said, I've got one place where I store extra grain and hay. You can go check it out. It's a cave right in back of the inn. So I went right back of the inn and there was a stall there with musty old hay. I cleaned it out and put fresh hay down. Mary sat down and she was finally at rest. I'm going, job done. Wrong. She said, you don't have time to go get a midwife. You're going to deliver our baby tonight. And I'm looking at Mary going, Mary, I'm a man. I've never done this before. She goes, don't you mind. I've got everything we need right here. She pulled out a clay pot and she told me how to boil water in it. And then she pulled out a string, uh, the knife, and then she pulled out the salt. And she showed me how to rub salt on a newborn baby. And that night... I delivered our son. The son came. I delivered him in that cave. The son of God came. He's there. I don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect a baby. I didn't expect the son of God to come like this. Oh, 
This baby came and I held this baby and I gave it back to Mary and he nursed for the first time. And I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm going, God, what kind of plan is this? What kind of plan? It doesn't look like the best plan to me. But then, I asked Mary, could I hold the child? She gave him to me. Oh, he's so small. He fits right in my hands. His little hands are so small. And I told him, hey, Jesus, these are the hands of a carpenter, all scarred, all battered. Your hands aren't going to look like this. Your hand's going to hold the scepter. Your hands is going to be the Messiah hands. They're going to bring healing to our land. All to know the change that went on in my heart. How God could use a young woman, a virgin, and allow her to carry the Son of God. And then, folks, how God could use an ordinary man like me and give me the privilege of watching over his child. Oh, I can't tell you. As a dad, I was so proud. As a dad, I was there to protect him, to be there for him, a young baby and a mother. I just couldn't believe it. Will you all bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, as we told this story here today, it's Joseph's story. It's so much like our story. A gift came that night. And you used a common, ordinary man. As you call us as Christians, you chose to use us. Help us to examine our life, Lord, and see if we're not standing in denial standing in the way of something that you want to accomplish in our lives. Because when you're chosen, man, the life doesn't go smooth. Sometimes there are hardships. Sometimes there's things that need to be worked through. And then, my Father, as we work through things this Christmas season, I hope that we see that your plan is always the best plan. Even though it doesn't match up to what we think, and Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just take and use and speak to us today in a way that we cannot even miss that's your voice, that we can believe that you are the Christ, the one that came to set us free. If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, I pray that today they will walk this aisle. Or if there are people that know you that have been running from you, scared because they didn't know how to follow you as Joseph followed you. And man, all the mistakes he made, all the things he did, help us to realize that's part of life. But getting right is what it's all about. And just thank you, Lord, for using imperfect people like us to do a mighty thing, to bring a mighty result. I know you could use anybody you want. It's the work that you do, not us. Help us to be willing servants. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.